nerds, welcome back to The Paperfold. I'm your host, Sarah, and I'm so glad to be back nerding out with you for our fourth season in our brand new Posh Patreon Digs. I cannot go any further without thanking the wonderfully kind and smart Cesar Diaz, whom I got acquainted with working on my other podcast with New York Now. Cesar was instrumental in helping me retain sanity uh, throughout the process. To say I'm a bit technologically challenged is an understatement, so thank you. You've also probably noticed that the paper fold sounds a little different. I decided I wanted to have my own music so I began looking in the typical podcast music channels for something but then I remembered Sharon of Smile Songs you may be acquainted with this Colorado range of cards and gifts that literally sing Sharon actually started out as a classical violinist in Brooklyn Heights but she eventually found herself a fiddler in a Colorado country cover band almost sounds like a country song doesn't it? Anyhow, uh, she became a singer-songwriter whose music celebrates the best and nicest, kindest parts of ourselves. And Smile Songs combines Sharon's music with sunny, fiercely positive cards, magnets, stickers, and gifts. So I reached out to Sharon to ask if I might buy an excerpt of something that reminded me of Sturgill Simpson, with whom my husband and I are both completely obsessed. So now her song, Your Treasure Is Yourself, is now part of this podcast. Thank you so much, Sharon. It makes me so happy every time I hear it. I hope you all enjoy it too. And maybe hearing about how all this came to be will encourage you to also work smarter and not harder. That is a big goal of mine both this year and forever. So my guest today is Chelsea Shukov of Sugar Paper, who, along with co-founder Jamie Grobecker, has published an amazing guide that drops today. How to Write a Letter is the most recent addition to Clarkson Potter's amazingly popular how-to series. Don't be fooled by the sleekness and style of this palm-sized pale pink and gold-foiled book. It is packed with practical common sense and inspiration that is actually going to leave you looking forward to that next time you have to write someone something and are struggling to articulate your message. And if anyone was going to take on this mighty task, it would be the Sugar Paper Ladies. When they opened their doors in 2003, Jamie and Chelsea mostly focused on super posh, high-end, letter-pressed wedding invitations and social stationery, and also made a huge name for themselves seemingly right out of the gate. But as our world evolved, theirs did too. They moved away from invitation albums and more into ready-to-wear cards, desk finds, and gifts, many of which can be customized. Today, they maintain three brick-and-mortar spaces in the LA area and wholesale to hundreds of other high-end stationery and gift shops around the world. Several years back, they also began collaborating with Target on both office and holiday finds, and year in and year out, my posts on the paper nerds spotlighting whatever collection they're coming out with at Target get the best engagement of any other posts I put on the paper nerd. And why not? This is an aspirational brand, but it has traditional notes mixed in with its modern styling. 
And so just like it's a big deal for a card maker to get picked up by paper source, it's a big deal to get picked up as a range that sugar paper carries for its clientele. So, of course, I have a million questions for Chelsea. As you'll hear, she and Jamie were really uniquely poised to take a really hard look at tradition in regards of what we are supposed to say when we thank someone for a gift or tell them that we are very sorry for their loss uh, via a letter or card. Keeping in mind the intention of these missives, they've reviewed what should stay and see what might need to be tweaked to bring about more authentic communications. After all, if the medium is to endure, it needs to speak to every succeeding generation who need to embrace it as truly their own. That is why Chelsea sees this book as a resource, not a gift book to sit on your desk gathering dust. It will help you communicate with those you love. Use this book consistently as you walk through life, and you'll never feel like you left anything unsaid with anyone ever. So with that said, let's bring Chelsea on already. Hey, paper peeps. So I can't go any further without waxing eloquent about one of my all-time favorite houses of paper, Girl with Knife. Watching this dynamo maker's dramatic ascent over the past few years, I can only conclude that this exquisite stationary range, as well as its equally exquisite creator, Alicia Castaldi, is truly cutting edge in every conceivable sense of the world. When I think about how much Alicia has accomplished with this brand since she debuted it in 2019, even I find myself somewhat speechless. You see, Lately Girl with Knife has been on something of an industry awards bender. First, in 2020, the Palm Springs brand swept the inaugural Noted It Noted Awards, winning Best Color Combo and Best Use of Profanity. Guys, there were only 10 categories. Girl with Knife won a fifth of them. Then, in 2021, Girl with Knife did it again, taking Snarkiest Card and, again, Best Use of Profanity. That means Girl with Knife is the only maker yet to win this National Industry Award for Profanity. That is quite a feat in this day and age. There are a lot of great cussing cards out there. On top of that, this past summer, Girl with Knife had to make room on its crowded awards shelf for a Louie. For those of you who don't know, the Louis are the Academy Awards of the greeting card industry. I have been covering them and judging them since I got into the industry in the 90s, but this past year was its 32nd edition. Card makers are a very friendly community, but we all tend to get a little competitive with these awards. Well, this past year, Girl with Knife had three finalists and was competing against major card hitters like American Greetings and Hallmark. These companies have big budgets and staffs of some of the best writers and illustrators in the industry. Girl with Knife is literally a girl with a knife coming up with fantastic work. Well, Alicia bested them in the friendship encouragement humorous category with the Friends Through Thick and Thin card. It documents decades of friendship through eyebrow waxing trends, and it is just a small sample of the glamorous and brilliant wisdom that this range puts out in the world 
like Starbucks pours coffee. A lot of work goes into every last offering. Alicia uh, carefully collages each creation to life, slice by nimble slice. Choose from an array of cards, journals, notepads, and gift wrap. You'll quickly realize that each selection is feminine, authentic, and unapologetic, not unlike Alicia herself. Meanwhile, I hear that a huge product drop awaits us in 2022. Candles, throw pillows, weekly planners, and art prints are all in production as we speak. I, for one, can barely wait. And not only is Girl With Knife winning one award after another, Alicia is emerging as a style icon in her own right. Just pick up the latest edition of What Women Create wherever you buy magazines to see what I mean. In the glorious fall issue, Alicia opens up about her backstory and process, and trust me, you're going to need a tissue. There, you will also get an eyeful of Knife House, aka Alicia's workspace, and you see that this is not just a stationary brand, it's a lifestyle. During quarantine, Alicia gutted and renovated this Palm Springs mid-century house, which she designed to incorporate all the elements of her brand. It's like a concept album that's a house. And unsurprisingly, it's already been featured on HGTV.com. Her throw pillows are on the couches, her art prints are on the walls, and the color patterns throughout mimic her stationary palettes. It's a place to host events, parties, and fashion shoots, and to entertain buyers and, of course, to get work done. It's not too surprising that there is also coverage of Alicia, Girl with Knife, and Knife House in the October issue of Palm Springs Life. Knife House is already setting itself apart as a coveted destination in this famed California resort city. So if you are like me and you can't make it to Palm Springs just now to live your best life, you can still make it to girlwithknife.com and start living your own personal season of fierce. Whatever your needs, I guarantee your stationery will slay. with Chelsea. Welcome, Chelsea. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm so happy you're here. So you and Jamie always have something really amazing up your sleeve. Uh, If there was going to be a maker releasing a lovely gift book on how to write a letter published by Clarkson and Potter, no less, um, I knew it would be you. (laughs) So I want to know how this passion project came about. I mean, it came about with a phone call. So um, Clarkson Potter has a how-to series and the next um, idea that they had was how to write a letter. And so I got a cold call basically from um, an editor over at um, Penguin Random House saying Clarkson Potter, which is a division of Penguin Random House is doing this book about how to write a letter. They think we're the perfect fit and would we be interested? And so, you know, it's a it's a theme with sugar paper. We like to say yes to opportunities like this. I had never written a book. Jamie had never written a book. So it was a little bit of a daunting yes. There was a, a lot of debate over coffee of are we sure we can add this to the list of things we're already working on? And we just decided it was too good to pass up. So um, 
you know, I guess I would say how it came about was that we, what, 18 years ago now, decided to focus on being a stationary company versus a gift company. And so, you know, we built, yeah, we built a reputation on on valuing the art of the handwritten letter. And, and so this came came to us, which is amazing. Just, like, that's the best way when they come to you. <laughs> Do we have the ability to write something we'll be proud of? <laughs> and and we are. We, are, we very much are. Yeah. Because it is, I mean, it is. It's an end all, you know. When when you write a book called How to Write a Letter, like there's a certain um, expectation that you're going to cover <laughs> everything that goes into writing any kind of letter, which is an enormously um, huge topic. <laughs> so, and, well, you know, and also it's evergreen, right? So we wanted this book to not only be relevant today, but to if someone picked it up in 20 years, could this also be relevant then? So. It, it it felt like um a calling card of sorts or something that needed to to stand the test of time. Absolutely, absolutely, and I mean I'll, I I'll get into this, but I feel like you know the letters you write when you're 20 are different than the letters you write when you're 30 versus 40, and uh, so um, absolutely the, the way that you've designed it is that it almost is a companion you know, through, through your letter writing life, so to speak. Well, and it's meant to be a resource. We didn't, we didn't want to write a book that would sit on someone's shelf. We want there to be, you know, page flags and bookmarks of places where maybe you're needing to write a letter of recommendation. Those are hard to write. So we wanted to give some tools um, that you could go back to the resource every time you have a tricky one in front of you. Absolutely. I mean, your subtitle is find the words for every occasion, which I love uh, because to me as a writer, a blank piece of paper is very intimidating. And it's it's even more intimidating uh, when you're in an awkward situation and like you, you can't, you know, often it's for me, at least I find it's writing that first sentence. Like it's just, you can't like kind of get it going. Um, so I know over the years and even, and of course now you've had several shops, um, and, and still do, um, where you can observe your customers interacting with your product. So you must've had a front row seat to the challenges that people face when they have to do this over the years. So I want to know like what, what kind of things you've seen. <laughs> well, I think, I mean, it's one of the the reasons we felt writing this book was so important is that when we started Sugar Paper, our focus was on the art of letterpress and, and designing beautiful pieces of paper. I think the surprising part was that really smart, sophisticated women would come to us and say, I have no idea what to say. This just happened in my life. And so over time, you know, a birthday card is pretty easy to write because it's someone, it's a light occasion and you love the person and know them very well. It was the stuff that became really difficult. So whether that's, um, you know, a friend lost a child or right. someone's mother passed away, but you had never met her. So it was, right. it was the really specific, maybe kind of less happy occasions where people mm -hmm. would get stuck. And on top of that, we would find that people weren't sending those cards. And those are some of the most important to send. 
And so we really wanted to take the pressure off of those moments to get people to put more love in the meal on the darker moments of life. Absolutely. I mean, those are the, uh, those are the letters we tend to hold on to and revisit uh, mm-hmm. again and again. And they're the hardest to write, but the most uh, heartfelt. Um, and so also, um, oh, sorry. To no, 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 keep I going. Was, no, 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 know. keep it. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I, it, I always, we always sold sympathy cards. I always knew that they, there was a, a time and a place for a sympathy card. It wasn't until I started receiving them when my father-in-law passed away that I truly understood how important they were. And so I'm a huge advocate now for even if you don't know what to say, say something, send the card that the person is grieving well after the moment that they lose that person. And so those words on paper become so special. And I realized that sympathy cards were the hardest to write and they weren't being sent. So I, I really wanted to dig in on, on what to do in those occasions. That's, that's wonderful. And that, and, you know, I, I feel like, I mean, unfortunately, the sympathy card has received a lot of attention in the strata of card companies and of card categories rather in the last few years, um, because we've had to, unfortunately, it's also to me, sort of an outgrowth of the empathy category, which like, you know, like burst into the scene in such a big way, uh, I guess about five or seven years ago. Um, I feel like so, Emily Emily McDowell gave us a big a big hand up in that category. <laughs> absolutely, and then um, and then quotations sort of like picked up the ball and took it to like a really interesting place as well with her Welcome mm-hmm. to the Grief Club, and it's uh, I mean it's beautiful that they're give, that you know different makers in different ways are you know are just giving people the tools to you know. Um, connect with people during these times when, you know, traditionally we might not know how to, the right words, like you guys said. I also think it's an interesting um, place to bring paper specifically because I think we're compelled to respond to an email or respond to a text. And there are times where there's an occasion that doesn't elicit a response. So you want to send out love, but not feel the the person who's receiving it that they don't feel obligated to interact with with the messaging. Um, yeah. And I think a piece of paper is a lovely way to send love and and allow the person to feel that without feeling obligated to respond. Absolutely, no. That's I I never thought of that, and you're a hundred percent right. I mean, the other thing about you know, exchanging letters is that it invites, you know, contemplation, you can think about it. It's not, you know, the knee jerk response of an email where it's just like, I, I'm just going to get back to them real quick. And I'm not really going to think about too much about what I'm writing. It's right. You know, like, I can, I can really sit and think about this, you know, whatever I've received for a few days and, you know, sort of like percolate with it. And then if I, if I am to respond, which isn't necessary, um, you know, then I can, then it can be really, really thoughtful or, you know, maybe I could say something in a phone call or, you know, like just continue that, that, that conversation and that thought. Hey. 
Hey, paper peeps. So longtime paper fold listeners know that Kitty Meow Boutique has been a fabulous client of mine for some time now. And I am so proud today to be able to help promote the many, many projects that the human fireball behind this range, aka Catherine Hildner, currently has going on. First and foremost, Kitty Meow Boutique is a Chicagoland house of paper and gifts. This stationary range has a sweet side and a witty side, not unlike you and your moods, I'm guessing. But whatever your current state, this range of cards, invitations, journals, coasters, art prints, enamel pins, and gifts pack a most polished, brilliant punch. Think of your favorite, most flattering outfit and how great you look and feel in it. Kitty Meow puts it in paper form to share with the world. Whether your persona is Audrey Hepburn or Betty Page, you'll find something to perfectly showcase your message here. But this range is about much more than just surface appearances. It's empowering and not just for you, but the people you send the cards to. Even whoever sees you using that journal, at its core, Kitty Meow Boutique is authentic and it honors our most valued connections. For example, Catherine sent me her latest range, the Entrepreneur Collection for consideration in stationary trends and girl, it knocked my socks off. Seriously, I cannot believe this did not exist until 2021. The world has always needed a card that reads, you are more than a customer, you are like family, love and appreciate you. Or, cue the confetti cannons, can't wait to start working on this project together. If your work has any sort of entrepreneurial component to it, check them out. Your clients are going to be friggin' knocked out and begging you for more business because I can guarantee you whoever else is competing for their business is not sending them these amazing cards. Of course, Kitty Meow is also available wholesale. You can shop Kitty Meow on fair 24-7 and it is also in the best of show showroom at Atlanta Market. Thanks to the strength of this paper range, Catherine has seen it go from being carried in seven stores to over 600 150 stores in under two years. That's astronomical. But here's the thing. Kitty Meow Boutique is not just about finding that single card or pin. If you too are a maker with a dream, Catherine wants to help you bring it to beautiful life as you can see for yourself on the education tab of her site. She already offers KMB Signature Collective, a mastermind for women in the product-based business world who have an idea and a plan but can use some intensive guidance and support. Now Catherine just unveiled the KMB Powerhouse product party. Essentially, it's a three-month program that you can stop or start at any time, and each month delves into a topic such as email marketing or getting traction on wholesale platforms. This topic is explored all month and closes with a live training. Other perks include a private Facebook group, virtual happy hours, a production and resource guide, incentives and prizes, even a weekly check-in. I just love how Catherine is creating a community with every last thing she does. She's doing it through her education as well as with every last piece of stationery she prints. So whether you are wanting to reconnect with someone you have fallen out of touch with, thank a client for their business, or maybe you want much, much more than that to manifest your dreams into reality, Kitty Meow Boutique is the place to start. Make it all happen at kittymeowboutique.com and tell them Sarah sent you. One thing that I didn't even
realize until reading your foreword, uh, the term snail mail only came to life uh, to differentiate it from email. Um, the snail may feel a little insulting to some, but to me, it is that experience that unfolds over time of sharing something private, sending it off on a little journey. It's only seen by the two of you. It's really special. And, and really, that is at the heart of your business. Um, so here's what I'm curious about. Uh, since you have been creating a range from pre-internet to now, do you see your younger customers taking a different approach to greeting cards um, than perhaps their, um, the, the, their, I guess, more millennials did when you first got in the business? Um, and if so, how has that affected the voice of your brands or other sort of styling of your offerings? You know, it's interesting because I think there was a lot of fear in, you know, the business of stationery when email and text became kind of the preferred form of communication that what we were doing would become irrelevant. And I've actually found the opposite to be true. And so there's there's a value system with people who love cards and paper that is almost like handed down generationally, or maybe you're just born with the love of tactile, nostalgic things. And so what we found is that, and in, in truthfully for my kids who are only, you know, 11 and eight, it's almost like the digital stuff is more throwaway. It, mm -hmm. it doesn't mean as much. And so I've seen a greater value placed on paper and exchanging letters that are meaningful from younger people, which is surprising. I think we all thought it wouldn't matter to them. It wouldn't be important. Um, and it hasn't changed our voice. I think there was a moment where we thought maybe we needed to address a younger audience. And what we mm -hmm. found is that the voice that we always had was resonating with a younger audience because it wasn't the voice they were hearing all the time. Right, right, right. I mean, I think of sugar paper like it was always so polished and pristine there was something there's something classic uh but it still feels very modern and um you know that kind of appeal you know i think anybody can feel that anybody can sense that even if you know they were born after 1990 or whatever <laughs> i mean it's such a compliment because i do think we consider ourselves you know modern women and so we live in a very modern place but we value tradition and nostalgia and some of those old fashioned values that have seemed to maybe go by the wayside. And we're wanting to just bring those back to the forefront of conversation. Right, right. And, and really with, with this title, you really do do it because I mean, for me, for years, that it was the Crane Blue Book of Stationery, which was the voice of etiquette. It's incredibly useful. I had a copy by my desk for years. I was looking for it when I was writing these questions and I couldn't find it. I'm so sorry. I, I do need it. <laughs> I would like to find it. Um, but it is, you know, it's a little formal and it, it's somewhat maybe a little outdated in regards to more modern lifestyles. And, you know, with this title, you, you, you guys take a much more personal sort of accepting approach. So instead of cautioning letter writers to use their most proper and formal penmanship, for example, your first golden rule in the book is to quote unquote, embrace your handwriting. Um, so while I know your knowledge is informed by Crane, your approach really takes a sharp left turn. Can you speak a little bit to this stance? 
Sure. I mean, of course, the Crane Blue Book, Emily Post, all of these things have informed the rules forever. And what do they say? You have to know the rule to break the rule. So I think what I found over time is that a lot of those things were getting in the way of the ease and grace of communicating in these places. And so I think for us, we would have clients come in and ask us, you know, what is the rule? What am I supposed to do in this occasion? And so we would tell them the rule. And then there would be a little bit of pushback on that doesn't feel entirely comfortable to me. And then we would say, great. You should do it your way. Because if if the rule is standing in the way of you communicating to the person you love, then then we, we have to move past that. So it was an intentional left turn. Yeah, I mean, I think it was an intentional left turn to let people know that we can take the stuffiness out of this and we can connect in these ways that feel right to us. Um, and so I wanted to just remove all of that so that we could get more people embracing this as um, as a form of communication. And, and the reason handwriting is embrace your handwriting is the number one rule in the book is that we, we even find this in our planner business. People will say, oh, I don't want to write in my planner because I don't like my writing. But then when you ask their children, or even for me, letters written from my grandmother, letters written from my mother, letters written from my children in their authentic handwriting, it's the best part of the letter. It's it's a piece of them that you can literally save forever. And so to us, we just want to, we just want people to feel brave enough to embrace this. Um, And we want to take the rules out. Yeah, no, I think that's beautiful. I think that's beautiful. And look, I mean, when you think of the, we'll get into some of your occasions in the Crane book, Blue Book, and not to rip on Crane or Emily Post. No, no. You know, these are the ways that our society is telling us that's how we communicate with with each other when someone has died, when someone, you know, whatever, in, in these situations. And if they're not serving the purpose, if people are saying, this is not what I'm, I'm not comfortable speaking to my friend like this, or I don't feel like this will offer comfort, like, it's time to take another look at that. And, you know, think it's about- true. And I think the rule is really lovely when it's, it's such a formal relationship that you really want to do right by the etiquette. So for example, if you're writing a sympathy card to your boss, you might want to stick to the Emily Post Crane's blue book rule because you'll feel maybe a little more safe in that approach. I think though the rule started to get in the way of the ease of use. Mm-hmm. And at that point we were like, nope, nope, we're gonna change this conversation. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And um I love also that you encourage your readers to build a stash of cards and um, buying those that speak to them and sort of like holding on to them until the right moment um instead of rushing out to get a card when you need one. So, uh, and I love that you included letterhead and recommended that your readers with businesses and brands get this and use linen paper with a watermark. Um, and I also agree that an address book is essential. Um, to some, these are these tools may seem outdated, but it, it would seem that millennials and even the younger generation behind them are embracing these tools and making them their own. 
Um, do you see that as well amongst your audience and do you expect it to grow? You know, I'm not, I'm not sure, but I will tell you the address book. I've also seen the Excel address list be a barrier to entry, meaning if you write a card and then you have to go back to your laptop and open the file to find the address, to do all the things, it, it just is at an added layer that makes the time that you wrote the card to sending it um, more cumbersome. And so I believe anytime, so I have my address book right next to me, um, but anytime you're writing a letter to somebody and you pull that address out of your Excel spreadsheet, you can um, immediately put the address in your address book and you start to build out your address book one person at a time of the people that you are connecting through the mail. You don't need to transfer every address you've ever had to your address book and create another project, um, but building it over time makes it really easy to kind of create pen pals among your amongst your best friends, which I like. <laughs> Plus, it's like a great resource. I mean, here's mine. I I do need to I do need to replace mine because like a lot of them are like people I knew in New York who like probably have moved ten times and so on. But it also becomes sort of an interesting relic of your life. Like you remember when you put this person in and when they came in, and it's it's nice. And and I like having the address book. It it's also kind of. Um, it streamlines the process, as you say, but it also makes sure there's no digital element anywhere in the letter writing process if you're not even getting finding the address on your computer. Like that's really cool. Um, so I also love that you included a list of salutations and send and sign offs, as well as those that each of you prefer. Um, Chelsea, you're in always. Jamie is an XO. Um, so my problem with correspondence is that sign-offs like best and yours always like feel kind of stuffy to me. So instead, I don't know why I started writing when I would write my daughter letters at camp, I would sign my name and put a heart and an arrow <laughs> through it. And so I just started like doing that only if it's a friend or you know at least a, of course yeah I, I would just do it to my boss um <laughs> but um it's a little messy it's odd but it feels it feels right and it's I feel like it kind of makes my butter it, my own um so do you know of any sign-off contenders that are a bit less formal but not too out there like I feel like I need like a really like a little more polished catch you on the flip side. And I think the younger generation might like, might like some less informal send offs and sign offs too. Have yeah. I mean, I think, I think they all, there's so many opportunities for fun, catchy sign offs if the relationship warrants it. So for, for professional correspondence, I really like sincerely. I think when you really look at that word, being sincere is a great quality. And so sincerely feels formal, but not cold. I do kind of think best feels a little Best is unavailable. a little like, I don't know. Hey, I'm giving you my best. Goodbye. Like it's a little. Even a little, for me, sometimes I'll use, I'll use best, but I write all the best. And I feel like even best, that yeah. warms it up. Yeah, right. and I like sincerely. I, sincerely is just another word for being authentic, and we're all about being authentic. 
these days. Yeah, I and I think it's old fashioned, but also just kind. So I, I do like sincerely. I think though my favorite is when you really lean into clever. So you know, let's say you went to a party and it was a rosé themed birthday party. Like signing your sign off is pretty in pink, healthy. You know, I mean. Just being playful with it is fine. You can really say anything you want there. Um, so I, I love your catch on the flip side because if you signed that, I would think that was adorable. Right. Like it's fun and it makes it your own. And I maybe maybe what it is is that for me with the salutations and send-offs, we got so used to texting and nobody uses them in texting so that maybe when we're putting them in letters, they feel a little um, – like inorganic to us. Like, mm-hmm. and so, um, you know, people really need to start owning that again. And I, I really encourage them to do that in their correspondence. I mean, only one other person's going to see it most likely. So, you know, like, you know, you only live once, you only write once, you know, like, make that, it that's right. And I also, I will tell you sleep away camp, I'm so happy about the letter writing that happens for children at sleepaway camp because you cannot call your parents. And so therefore you're writing letters and you're learning that art as a form of necessary communication. Um, But we're teaching an entire generation of younger writers to write letters to people they love. I love that about camp. I know me too. I mean, our the my daughter doesn't go to overnight camp anymore. She she did the the camp recommended that you sent. Oh no, they recommended. I got I actually took a little issue with this. They recommended that you pre-address the letters for your child to send out, and I was like, no no no, no. my kid is gonna know where the address goes and where the stamp goes. Like I'm not I'm not doing that for my kid. Um, and uh, I, I sent that. I actually, we did make her an address book, and I, I sent her with that, and, and so she could learn to do that. And uh, um, I really enjoyed it. And I, I, the first year she went, I, I wrote a letter every day to her, and realized how boring my life was because <laughs> I was like, I'm nothing to tell her. But, but it was a good exercise, and she loved it. It's one of the few. Um, experiences now that kids have growing up where they're really encouraged to write letters and learn correspondence and you know absolutely I mean my kids don't go to sleep away camp but a ton of our clients send them um, and so they're always coming in looking for letters for camp and I just love that about it and I just I, I really have yet to find somebody to answer no to the question you know do you like getting a letter in the mail everyone likes getting a happy piece of mail it's it's just universal. So, you know, it's it's one of those really um, surprisingly simple delights in life. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and um, and I love that you encourage readers to start off their thank you notes not with a thank you, not with the standard thank you so much for blankety blank blank blank, which I full disclosure tend to do. Um, but something like, you are the most thoughtful person I know. And then you have several phrases to spur uh, the correspondence, like, I will never forget. Um, so I love this approach. And then you give several examples of really amazing letters um, in the gratitude category, um, which you describe as, quote, notes written to people you love and admire to let them know how much they mean to you. If you've never written a note like this, now is your chance. So here's a letter 
um, for someone named Seth that you actually reproduce in the book on page 40. And it's, and it's beautifully presented if you, cause I am looking at the book. It is, um, like a black polka dot pattern with an actual physical letter on it. And the letter reads, Seth, you are hands down one of the most amazing humans on this planet. You are so generous with your time and encouragement, and I am a better person for having met you. Thank you for always cheering me on and for telling me the truth when I need to hear it. It's rare to find a friend like you. I appreciate you more than you will ever know. Always, Chelsea. So, was that an actual letter you wrote? That is an actual letter I wrote. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I so, Seth. <laughs> <laughs> well, Seth is um, a mentor and a friend. And, um, you know, when people give you their time and honest feedback and encouragement and cheer you on, I think, you know, rarely do we have an opportunity to gush over them to mm -hmm. their face. And so mm -hmm. a letter is a perfect place to gush, I think. Um, they're my favorite kind of letters to write because if you're inspired to do so, you can just put it out on the page and you don't have to feel, I don't know, embarrassed um, in the in the dialogue. And yeah, so it's I easier think to read. I mean, it's easier to write and send than say it to someone's face. Way easier. It's way easier. And it's also, I think, um, really special to receive on a random Tuesday when you might be not having the best moment to remember that what you put out into the world is valued and appreciated. But throughout the book, I, you know, you asking me this question is interesting because I have never really shared that every single one of those letters is a letter to a real person. So we did not write anything in the book that isn't personal to us. So uh, there are a lot of people on our team that their names were used. Um, my friend Ellen and Matt adopted a baby. And one of the things that she mentioned was how um, challenging it was for people to properly uh, celebrate that, that people were used to um, you know, a woman giving birth to a baby, and that is how this process goes. But when you adopt a baby, you are also growing your family. And so that letter was written to Ellen and Matt. So they're, they're, everything in this book is personal. I mean, that's, that's amazing. And I, I mean, I love that you showed the actual letter because, you know, you can't really be like, well, don't write a boring thank you. Like, thank you so much for the you know, you can't tell people that, but you can show like an amazingly personal letter that you wrote that, again, is authentic because this, this is your life experience um, to, to really show people and to um, how it, a way to do it and to encourage them to, you know, have to do similar soul searching. Well, and, and to your point, when we say don't say thank you so much for that, it's that is absolutely correct. Everyone can do that all day long. I think it was the way we've all been taught, right? So when you write a thank you letter, you say, dear so-and-so, thank you for the bubble gum, whatever it is, right? <laughs> and what I noticed is that my, my, you know, best advice is to always just start a thank you note with the word you instead of thank you. So the minute you write the word you, 
it requires you to finish that sentence in a way that is extremely personal and meaningful to that interaction. So let's say um, somebody dropped off chicken soup at my door. So I would start a thank you note of you always make me feel better. And then I would say, thank you for the blah, 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 blah. Yeah. So the thank you still tucked in there, but I think that you is really helpful to make the letter more personal. It is really helpful. And it also takes the, it stops you from looking at it from such a, I mean, I don't want to use the word self-centered, meaning like we're so, we're also self-centered, but you're not looking at it from your perspective. You're looking at it from their perspective. If you start it with you, you're removing the subject and making it more about, um, about them, which is, it's not a thank me. It's a thank you. Like it's, <laughs> right, right. You're, you're supposed to be thanking them. And um, yes, it's about what that it means to you, but, but the focus should be them. They should be the subject, not you. Uh, I'd love, I'd love that approach. And I, I think that's, I think that's really uh, meaningful and, um, and helpful in, in approaching correspondence and making it more heartfelt and uh, sort of me more as well. You know, the one, the one, um, I guess, hazard of writing this book has been that I feel very on the line for writing all of my thank yous. <laughs> I know, but, I know. No, I mean, listen, I write them. This is my business. I write them all day long. But, you know, things get busy and every once in a while you forget to, to do it. And so all of a sudden I feel like this book is going to come out and someone's going to say, huh, really? I didn't get one for that, you know. I Where's my thank you yeah, treat in yeah. your book? <laughs> Right, right. Um, I get it. I get it. No, I get it in my life. In my life, every anytime I write a note or something to friends who know me just as a mom or whatever, like I feel like they're always like really looking at my stationery and checking it out. Like I feel like I'm really under a microscope um, with my messy handwriting. I think if you're in the paper business, it's it's a universal feeling for anyone who's in the stationery business. Right. I used to have a friend, uh, one of my colleagues at Gibson Decorative Accessories when I was there and we covered get, and we covered gifts, we got so much free stuff, you know, we would give it to all our friends and uh, she would always, if she bought someone something, she would always make a point to be like, I bought this. <laughs> it's just like, you don't think it's like another thing I got for free at work. Well, you know, to your point, Sarah, I, um, I rarely give people sugar paper because I don't want them to think that I wasn't more thoughtful about the gifting. And then recently someone said, I, I wish you would. We love all these things that you make. And so I've, I've now started giving people sugar paper gifts. But for a while, I thought, well, it kind of feels like a cop out. But turns out I know. it's actually nice to get. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I, if you were my friend, I would want you to. But I could see why, you know, you could feel like they'll think that I just like grabbed this off my shelf and like threw it in a bag. Right, right. <laughs> now, you go through a similar process beyond thank yous with love letters, uh, whether you're in the early stages of romance or celebrating an anniversary. I mean, you go through cards for friends, you get into birthday cards, birthday cards for children, for friends, family, and then we go through all the, the I call them the circle of life occasions, um, you know, graduation, engagement, weddings, birthdays, 
or I'm sorry, babies, personal milestones, new home, new job, and then um, holidays from Valentine's to Christmas. Uh, part three delves into personal correspondence, um, such as interviews, writing colleagues, applying to colleges, letters of recommendation, all very important stuff. Um, and then in part four, it's complicated. You delve into the less positive circumstances, the ones that are really, really hard to write, uh, supported sympathy, hardship, injury and illness, fertility issues, loss, be it a spouse or a child, a friend losing a family member, separation and divorce, even conscious uncoupling. I love it. You're so in California. You're so California. Um, and, <laughs> and apologies. Um, really, it is the entire circle of life told through stationary and very, very, very personal words. So, you know, taking a step back from it, uh, like how do you think building this kind of correspondence into your circle of life changes your experience of it? I mean, if, if we wanted to get really deep into the why of sugar paper, this question is it. So, you know, Jamie recently lost her father and was going through his thing and found letters from when he was in elementary school and found, um, you know, letters that her divorced parents had written to one another when they were falling in love. I mean, letters are the history of our lives, right? So the letters that I have when I first met my husband in college are so different from, you know, the card that he wrote me on my first Mother's Day. Like, we're just in completely different places in our lives. And so the why underneath sugar paper or why I'm such an advocate for letter writing, why I would write a book like this, um, is that it, it, it marks your life. And, and it's something that you save and you hold on to and you can tuck away in a drawer. And one of my favorite parts of letter writing is that when you go back and find that letter some 10, 20 years later, it immediately takes you back into a point in your life that I don't think you could feel as intensely without the words that you're reading. So for example, I was, um, I, I needed to prepare a keynote address about letter writing. And so I was, you know, I'm, I'm a procrastinator. And so I went through a box of things that I had thinking, well, maybe my box of letters will inspire this keynote address. And I found a letter from Jamie, who's my business partner and the co-author of this book. Um, and it was from 2002. So we started Sugar Paper in 2003. And it said, I think we should start a project together. Aww. And we did. <laughs> <laughs> It went kind of well. <laughs> That's yeah. So funny. So I think um, I think it just it's so important to write down these things, and it's why in the book I say, you know, date your correspondence. Yes. Yes. Really yes. Pull I love out, that. Right. Date it. Pull out really um, specific details about where you are in your life, because when you go back and read those letters it feels very different from, and it's also good. Happy birthday. I love you. feels really different than on your 40th birthday. I hope you know how much I love you because you just, it marks it in time. And so um, obviously I'm a big fan. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the and look, and, <laughs> yeah. And the, and a letter changes throughout time. I mean, the meaning of it changes through time. It, at first, it's something you dash off, you know, that's a correspondence between two people. But like you said, you know, your child's going through it you know, years later, and it begins to mean something else. It brings to mind that, um, I don't know if the Greeks really said this. I Some professor told me they did, where they said, you can't judge a man's life until after he's died, meaning like everything is in a different context after. And it really is a physical mm-hmm. relic that uh, you leave uh, as well. And I mean, like, my birthday cards from my grandparents, like when I got them, I barely looked at them when I was a child, but I'm so glad I saved them because now when I pick them up, I'm like, my grandma touched this. Like, this is her yes. writing. This it's is all so meaningful. And right, this is all I have. And this is her writing. And this is what she said. I mean, it's a piece of somebody. It's, I am obviously just smitten with how meaningful this is. It's not it's not light. It's actually really meaningful and delightful to have these pieces of paper, especially over time. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so I love that your book, in order to really become a a true correspondent, I mean, you close your book with a nice supply list of recommendations to fill, you know, what you call and what I think everyone should have a stationary drawer. Um, and I love, love, love the illustrations that you have chosen throughout your book um, by an illustrator who I'm not familiar with uh, named Danielle Kroll. She's incredibly, she's, she's amazing. Um, so I want to hear about the process of sort of pairing her illustrations uh, with the words. I mean, you, uh, you know, uh, some of your letters are on like a background that she drew of all these stamps uh, I'm looking at the different illustrations in your book. Um, your stationary drawer, I mean, she literally, she draws a drawer, doesn't she? She draws like a supply chest, a supply kit. She does, yeah. Yeah, so I would love to hear about, uh, you know, and obviously you already have a stationary range, so you're very well versed in pairing illustrations with sentiment and products. How did you approach this a little differently? How did you decide what kind of illustrations you were going to have and have them work with the copy? Yeah. I mean, I think it it's when you're writing a book and it's so personal and it's also part of a brand, the illustrations really need to speak to who you are as an individual, who you are as a company, what the book is saying and representing on each page. And I had seen Danielle's work it was a pin, I think I pinned 10 years ago, of a sketch of three houses. And there was a nostalgia about them that I just loved. And then mm-hmm. it come to find out she's an extremely modern illustrator who does really cool work all over the place. And so um, when we were looking into different options, one of the names I had mentioned was Danielle's name and the publisher had worked with her previously and thought it was a good fit. And so when Danielle, um, when she first started sketching, there was definitely a moment of collaboration where it's, you know, an artist has their own point of view, right? And then as a brand, we have our point of view. And so it was a true collaboration in I have an idea. How about I send you an entire box full of sugar paper products and you draw them and, and we can see kind of our work 
in your style and what that ends up look, looking like. And as you can see, it came together beautifully. And um, I'm really proud of how it came out. And I'm also proud that Danielle was able to just execute everything even better than I had hoped. And you know, I mean, it's like an artistic rendering of your stationery. It's it's like really, it's really it's, it's so cool. I mean, I love it. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I love her page of all the envelopes. I mean, her her illustrations are really nice. But there and there is something I'm trying to find. There's that one page where she drew the umbrella. Like there's something oh, yeah. very. Um, there's something really like. Um, it reminds me of like children's. Uh, you know, children's books from like the 50s and 60s, like she has yes. sort of like that classic, she has a little bit of that as well. So, I mean, that's just, it, it really comes together nicely. And um, I'm really excited uh, to see it hit the world. I am too. I really, I really want it to be um, an evergreen book that people use. I hope that the pages are dog-eared and the pretty pink cover gets all beat up and used because that that was really the point yeah absolutely and I think I, I mean like again not to go back to you know um these the not to rip on Emily Post and Crane but like none of those books have any pictures and there's not they just don't have like that sort of light touch it's more of like the vibe is just like this is what you have to do and um this is just such a nice breezy airy and like sort of freeing departure from it it's like go out live your life tell people you love them thank them (laughs) yeah I think there's an optimism to it and I and I hope that shines through and it sounds like it has and even in the harder darker moments there's an optimism of saying yeah, that's hard. Also, we all can just pour love on one another um, in all of the moments of life. So thanks, Sarah. Oh, thank <laughs> it you. makes it, it all makes it feel real. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you so much um, for, for coming on to discuss this book. And um, I'm just, I'm so excited uh, for you and Jamie and, 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 I can't wait to see it out in the world. I, I can't wait to walk into like a Barnes and Noble and see it. So, I mean, me too. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, thank you again. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you so much, Chelsea, for coming on The Paper Fold. My advanced copy actually showed up maybe an hour after we recorded and after having only seen online proofs, I'm here to tell you the book is really magnificent in actuality. It feels so nice in your hand. So if you sell stationery of any kind, get it and display it alongside cards and writing papers. It really is a true gift to any lover of stationery. Also, when we recorded, I mentioned I couldn't find my copy of uh, the Crane Blue Book of Stationery, which was a little embarrassing. So uh, when I did the keynote uh, for the Creative Powerhouse Society, Stacy mentioned to the group just prior to my starting that she and her staff had just cleaned out her studio and how it just helps you work without feeling like a lot of clutter is weighing you down. So I took that advice and did the same. And I definitely agree, you can't make room for newness without getting rid of a lot of the old. 
and I found my copy of Crane's Blue Book. Now it sits on my newly dusted bookshelf now next to How to Write a Letter, and I am sure I will have occasion to look in there. However, if I am stuck for words, I'm picking up How to Write a Letter. It really is the stationary resource for the 21st century. So finally, thank you for listening. Again, our theme music is by Sharon Glassman of Smile Songs. See and hear more at smilesongs.com. If you like what you are hearing, please give me a five-star rating. And if you feel like waxing eloquent, please feel free to leave a review too, with or without help from How to Write a Letter. Thank you so much, nerds. Stay safe.